It is Thursday. Y'all don't know what time it is because we getting these pods out on different days or whatever, but it is Thursday. We are hitting you with a football pod, and alongside me is the Canadian Bomber, the Canadian Shaman, the Canadian Bill Simmons, the Canadian son of Loretta Curran. And for this podcast, the Canadian Mike Tomlin, Nico Miatello, what's up, bro? Oh, not much, not much. I think uh, last episode we we mentioned that the football pods might be coming on Wednesday and Thursday throughout the summer. I think uh, going forward, going forward, that'll probably stay the same. Hopefully, next week we can get it out on Wednesday. But uh, we're continuing our our division previews here. And uh, after a little bit of uh, feedback we got on the first episode, I, I heard from multiple people, we, try, we tried to do a little too much in the first episode, talk about too many teams. So going forward here, I think we're going to try split these divisions in half. So this week, we're starting with the NFC North. We've only got two teams to talk about, and that's... Uh, in my opinion, two of the most exciting teams in the league, the Chicago Bears and the Detroit Lions. We also have decided to up the entertainment value as well. A little bit, yeah. Because we're going to look at these teams through the lens of 2010s TV shows or programs that were on Netflix or whatever, you know, and uh, I'm excited for this. So we're doing it a little bit differently. You know, we'll talk about the players. We'll talk about everything that's going on. But we want to put a little twist on it, give you a little pop culture to go along with it. So, Nico, before we get into all of that, um, I guess a couple house cleaning little bits or whatever. Mm-hmm. There is a pod tomorrow. It will be a live pod. We need to start like talking this up because now they're becoming more consistent. Yeah. Um, the live pod will continue to evolve and what have you, different guests, what have you. But uh, we're going to choose a topic. Uh, we're not going to do it right now, but we're going to choose a topic and kind of just express our thoughts on it. And so mm-hmm. hopefully um, these series of talks will spark a discussion with your friend group out there, listeners. So mm-hmm. we hope that you will tune in for that tomorrow as well. Yeah. But getting back to this football, bro, you said we're talking about the Detroit Lions and the Chicago Bears. Yes, sir. I mean, predominantly over the, like the 2000s, not awesome no. teams. Not, not a lot of history going on in the 2000s. Not, not particularly, no. And these are these are two teams that we've seen them have exciting squads. Them throw together a bunch of players that can put them in the playoffs and have some real buzz behind them, especially over this last decade here. But teams that never really put together a squad that you'd be scared of in the playoffs. Now they're both 
in similar spots in their build, I'd say. I'd say maybe the Bears are a half step back from the Lions, but they're in pretty similar uh, overall building spots. And I honestly believe in both of them pretty strongly. I could see one of these two teams emerging as a real power in the NFC in the years to come. I can see Detroit challenging. Mm-hmm. It's still it's still a, a real hard road for me to cross with Chicago at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't know what's going on with Fields. He's going to have to get better, obviously. It would be nice that you know you add weapons finally. That that was that was cool. Yeah. Um, and we'll get to all that. But the other thing is is that. Did they do enough in the offseason? The Bears? Yeah. I feel as if they did a lot this offseason, especially on the offensive side of the ball. You brought in some legitimate names. After making the move back, you were able to secure DJ Moore in that trade, and that is, in my opinion, a legitimate wide receiver one. For them, I have a lot of faith in DJ Moore, and I think he puts kind of the rest of their receiving core into perspective, sitting them in in the right place. Hmm. Darnell Mooney seems more successful as a number two. A guy like Chase Claypool might have some success as a big slot, um, but he's <laughs> he's not a guy you want to rely on a lot. And they actually made a pretty nice pick in the fourth round getting Tyler Scott out to Cincinnati so on that side I think they've improved then as well on the offensive line using their 10th pick on Darnell Wright uh, he wasn't personally my favorite tackle there I liked a guy in Broderick Jones a decent amount more but I I understand the type of player they were looking for and a locked in right tackle like Darnell Wright doesn't come along too often they also added a guy in Nate Davis as at guard who, if you went online after the signings, there were arguably more upset Titans fans about the Nate Davis signing than anyone else they lost this offseason. And that's pretty big considering just the sheer amount of losses the Titans had. He was a pretty impressive guard last year in a not great situation. And with Ryan Poles as your GM, a former offensive lineman himself, I kind of trust him to do that style of scouting. So I could see this offensive line in year two taking a pretty significant step forward. So what was the TV show that you decided that the Chicago Bears was? I uh, for the Chicago Bears I went I went with one I'm I'm not sure you've seen but it is as you mentioned earlier uh, a Netflix classic that a lot of people have been able to turn on because of Netflix. I picked Shit's Creek. Uh <clears throat> the first the, it's a show with I'm not sure if you you know about it. It's uh stars Eugene Levy, Eugene Levy and his son as well as some other pretty talented Canadian actors. 
Um, so so you got the Chase, Chase Claypool connection to Canada. There, There's your first one. But the reason I picked Shit's Creek is while it is an excellent show, it reminds me in the Chicago Bears in the way that in the first few years, it's kind of a hard show to like. There's a bunch of rich people who are now down on their luck, and it's really hard to root for them. The Bears have had an offense over not only the the beginning of this Justin Fields era, but also the Mitch Trubisky era that was very hard to like. But last year, much like Schitt's Creek did in their early seasons, they really started to show some potential. And... Going forward and towards the end, Schitt's Creek found their stride and became a great show, a cult classic for a lot of people already. Uh, I kind of think the Chicago Bears team, if they put together this unique offense that we saw last year, but hopefully with more throwing elements, in the same way as Schitt's Creek, they can kind of fall into their steps and become the great team. Or the great show that Shit's Creek was. You know what my first question is going to be, right? I, I'm ready for it. Who's the flamboyant uh, son? Hmm. <laughs> On Chicago Bears. Uh, Dan Levy is uh, a great, great actor in that show, and I've heard he's he's a pretty. Uh, I don't know. Uh, a hard character, a hard person to get along with uh, beyond that. I'm not sure. I There's kind of conflicting reports. Some people like him, some people don't. So it seems like he's, he's one of those those really polarizing characters. And but who is, like, I, the I, dude I'm, on the show? I'm working the, towards it. Okay. I think, I think much in the same way... Dan Levy is a very polarizing dude. I think Justin Fields is a pretty polarizing quarterback. Um, you have a lot of people who really believe in him. People watched him at Ohio State. People who really bought into the running style he adapted last year. But finding a way to marry those two things is going to be a challenge for Justin Fields becoming the great quarterback I personally think he has potential to be. Um, so in that in that way, I think there's there's some similarities between uh, my guy Dan Levy and uh, Justin Fields. Also, in his in the character on Creek, he's kind of. Uh... He's much maligned, but also there's there's some some self awareness issues, oh, yeah. so to speak. Early, early in the show. So, yeah, this is a good this is a good comparison. Yeah. This is a good comparison. I like it. Justin Fields has a lot to prove. You got some weapons now. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> some of your Previous appearances have been spectacular, mm-hmm. and then some of them been complete abominations. Yeah, so uh, some of it to no fault of your own, you know. 
parents, like on the show, whatever. Mm-hmm. Definitely understand why you act the way you act, basically. Yeah, but right. we're, yeah, so, I mean, yeah, this is a good, good, good comparison. So now, <laughs> who is, who is, well, I like to call her uh, Kevin's mom in a uh, Home Alone, but who is uh, Catherine O'Hara? Yeah, who's uh, Catherine O'Hara? Rose. Yeah, I think I think Catherine O'Hara. Um, I and again, I I'm not a hundred percent sure how much you've watched the show, but uh, Moira Rose is perhaps the the greatest person to ever live. She is hilarious in absolutely every way, in a way that uh, wants to be emulated, and I think that's a pretty hard person to find on this um, Bears roster. They don't really have any of those blue chip stars the way Moira Rose is one herself. But um, the character also had uh, personal self-confidence issues in the way that she um, just was trying to become an actress, thought she was the greatest actress of all time, but then had to face some reality. And in the same way, I kind of think our head coach here, Matt Eberflus, is going to have to face some realities this season. He's a guy who a lot of us have had some, some good things to say about in his first two seasons. But if you peel it back and just look at it from a numbers perspective this Bears defense hasn't been incredible this last year or basically since Eberflus took over and it took until late last year before the offense figured it out and Matt Eberflus is kind of hands off in that department as well he is He's done a good job to capture the imagination of the masses in the same way Moira Rose did but now push is coming to shove and we're going to need to see the results this upcoming year. The same thing can be said about Justin Fields, but I think it's almost more on Eberflus this upcoming season. If he can't turn around this defense or get this team playing better overall, I think pretty quickly we're going to find him out of a job. When you started to... Speak of um, Catherine O'Hara's um, mm-hmm. character. Literally, I thought of Matt Eberflus. I, I just thought of him. I was just like, "This is the guy. This is it. This is the character. This is this is who I think this person is." And now it's getting to a point where, you know, this is year three for both, like Fields and him, right? Yeah. So we're at a point where we need to figure out who we are. There needs, the identity needs to really uh, sprout its wings and we need to see something this year. <clears throat> mm-hmm. So the, it's funny. So the quarterback and the coach are tied to the hip yeah. for real. They are definitely. Um, so actually the show is actually fitting this team very well. So well done so far. Thank you. All right. Now, 
I don't want to do Eugene Levy. I want to do some of the other characters as far as that's concerned. My question is, is that now I've run out of people to talk to about, about <laughs> this show. So you. now my question is, okay, um, who do I want to focus on? Who do I want to focus on? Um, mm, 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 mm. Oh, I got Let's focus on their first round pick. Does their first round pick kind of filter into this deal uh, at all? Darnell Wright is a is a big man and someone who I think you can rely on to out. Maybe he won't be the perfect um, tackle. He, he struggles to do some things that um, other, other tackles can do well, just like mirroring, getting, out and defending some of the faster edge rushers he'll struggle a little inside but when it comes down to it he's strong he's stout and you know what he is and in that way he compares to personally my least favorite character on the show Roland um I while I don't mean this as a slight to Darnell Wright at all Roland at times makes it hard he is the mayor of Schitt's Creek and he sometimes makes it hard to watch the show at all. However, in the same way as Darnell Wright, he's a guy who will come out in every situation and he is consistent. You know he will be himself and you know you're going to get what you thought you were going to get from him every, every single time. And I think Darnell Wright is similar in that way as he's a guy who... Maybe maybe he can't get out against the fastest edge rushers in the league, but he's going to be a mammoth, and he's going to be strong, and if he gets his hands on you, you're probably going to be in the dirt. So in that way, uh, Darnell Wright, I would say, reminds me of Roland. That's the guy I'm kind of I'm intrigued by, but I'm scared of because... We're kind of depending on him for fields to be upright and not running with his hair on fire. So, um, did they do enough on the offensive line? Are they? Do you I, feel I think significantly better on the offensive line I, than? Are, are we sure? I uh, Nate Davis is a guy who I think fits really well into their system and can mm-hmm. maybe fill the hole that mm-hmm. was left by James Daniels uh, a couple years ago. So I think that's going to be big. Just having a guy like Darnell Wright on the right side, who, like I said, provides that overall consistency and having another year under a new off- offensive line coach, I think is it, it, it almost always shows itself to be better as it goes through. Some, uh, especially the Chicago Bears, were coming out of a Pat Meyer system that is very unique and hard to run. They needed to change the way they played almost entirely last season, and now they have some new talented players coming in, as well as uh, guys who were more established in the system who might be able to actually like show show out this up 
coming year now that they they kind of know what they're doing better uh also i think riley reef is one of the biggest like addition by subtraction cases here that we could have well it has to get better um this year it has to get better for fields it has to get better for that offensive line and he has to show some sort of uh improvement on uh passing concepts uh getting to his uh secondary uh secondary reads and he needs to hopefully with DJ Moore get himself into a position where it looks like he's a legitimate threat um to pass football and um they're just not low enough for the run. So yeah. we hope that those things are cooking but on the defensive side of the football um I don't see any guys that I'm like, oh, wow. Like, they got that guy. Well, I think Tremaine Edmonds is a really big addition to their team. I know last year they moved off Roquan Smith, and at the time he was the best player on their defense. But they were kind of using Roquan wrong in the Eberflus defense. They were trying to play him more downhill and making reads after he goes downhill they're using him primarily towards the run and that's not necessarily the best use of Roquan's skills especially as we've seen on the Ravens having him drop back a little more makes him a, an incredible player but Eberflus came in and saw a talented linebacker in Roquan and tried to then use him in the same way he'd previously used a guy another really talented linebacker in Darius Leonard, it, it didn't end up taking. I think Tremaine Edmonds is much more of the Darius Leonard type of linebacker who succeeds going downhill, making his decisions that way. And just adding that straight-up size in the middle of your defense is, is huge. They also went and got a guy like P.J. Edwards from Philadelphia who... Like, overall, they had the worst linebacker room in the league last year, and they brought in three guys, also Dylan Cole, this upcoming season. And I really think that part will show us a different entire look from this defense than what we've had before. The Eberflus defense previously relied a lot on a great linebacker core in Indianapolis. So now that they've started to put some of that together... I'm hoping that we'll be able to see a better, more actualized Eberflus defense this upcoming season. Okay, we say the best for last. Who is the Eugene Levy character for the Chicago Bears? Sorry, sorry, it cut out there. Who would, Who is the Eugene Levy for the Chicago Bears? I... I have one one other one I want okay. to get to one other okay. compar- uh, player comparison. Mm-hmm. But for the Eugene Levy character... Oh, no, no, say that. No, no, say that to last. I'll, I'll, go, I'll go to that one last because right. I've, I, I got it worked in my head. But the Eugene Levy character, uh, he's a guy who comes in to a situation... And basically, 
it's all it's all of his doing. Why why they are now forced to live in the town in Schitt's Creek? If you don't know, the plot is uh, of Schitt's Creek is that Eugene Levy is an investment banker who got super rich. Um, he broke a bunch of laws with this uh, friend of his. He he kind of got screwed over, but it was kind of his own doing too. And he lost all his money, but he, as a joke, bought a town called Schitt's Creek a long time ago. And uh, he's now, that's now the only thing that wasn't seized in his debt. So they, <laughs> they go to Schitt's Creek and they try and figure out how to restart their life living in a hotel that they could technically own. Um. And in that situation, basically, Eugene Levy is, despite it being all his own doing, he is consistently left with his hair on fire because he has a family of people who have never had to work for anything in their entire life. And now they're all thrust into the real world. So he is constantly doing his best to try and figure out something that isn't working. In that way, I'd compare uh, Eugene Levy's character to DJ Moore. DJ Moore has been thrust into offenses with the best quarterback he's ever played with is an aging end-of-career Cam Newton. And this guy is just always trying to get open, doing a great job of it, and keep the offense moving downfield. He's constantly running around with his hair on fire, and just like Eugene Levy in Schitt's Creek, he just got kicked out of where he was previously. But now he's in another situation that, while it's better than what he was in before, it's still not a high-volume passing offense that would highlight a receiver like him. But he's going to need to do everything he can to bring it up to the next level. Much in the same way Eugene Levy's character was forced to to kind of rebuild his family from the ground up. Um, the last the last character reference I would do is uh, David, or the daughter of Eugene Levy, Alexis, the, the hero of Schitt's Creek. I feel like she's everyone's favorite character. And um, just an aside, she's like one of the better representations of Gen Z in TV period. And I think she's actually written as a millennial, but it's never Gen Z is usually, uh, portrayed as kind of stupid and just, they care a lot about nothing, but I think there is a lot more depth to the generation. I'm, I'm also a millennial, but it's not often reflected well in television. And I think Shit's Creek does, does a great job of that. So I, to say all that about her Gen Z representation, I obviously have to pick the most Gen Z player on the team and Chase Claypool. He's uh, a TikTok star himself, much like Alexis Rose would be if she was a real human being. And I think that they, they would probably get along pretty well. Um, much, much like, like Chase Claypool, Alexis is very inconsistent throughout the show. Mm. Jumping from one uh, way of life to another way of life and then trying to turn it back around. But no matter what, she's always entertaining. 
and I would say Chase Claypool is much the same way. He might not always be playing good football, but he's <laughs> always doing something that catches your eye because he is a, a goofy 6'4 receiver that doesn't quite understand how his body works, And but when he figures it out, he's going to score a touchdown. So... Like like Alexis, when she's on, she's the funniest character in the whole show. But she she also can be awful. Ladies and gentlemen, when I envisioned this podcast, I envisioned fandom to run amok. But I thought it was going to be me more than than young <laughs> young Nico here. But now you know why we call him the Canadian Bill Simmons. Because even in a Chicago Bears, Detroit little synopsis, he got the Pittsburgh Steelers in there. Where did Chase Claypool come from, Of course, Nico? You think, okay, the, uh, I think this might be a good transition <laughs> To move to the next team, and oh my God. Uh, there's going to be Jeez. a lot more Steelers stock with the Detroit Lions because they went and signed. I'm so uh, sorry, America. I'm, it's not even America. I'm so sorry, Canada. I'm so sorry, Northeast America. I am so sorry to the South um, in the United States. I'm also sorry to... Um, South America itself, uh, Germany, um, Great Britain. I'm very sorry for this as well. (laughs) Um, India, I know you listen often. I'm sorry. But everybody drink because here comes the wave of Pittsburgh. Nico, hit us with the Detroit Lions. Yeah, well... The Detroit Lions are a team that we all loved last year. They were one of the most fun teams to watch behind Dan Campbell and Ben Johnson and the resurgent Jared Goff. Everyone sort of bought into this Lions team, especially after they were the hard knocks team in the offseason. Um a, a very a very strong first season really reminds me of one one famous 2010s TV show uh, in Heroes. We'll get to that a little later. But the save the cheerleader, save the world. Damn right. Uh, the best the best player on this Lions team right now, though, might just be the cornerback they took away from the Pittsburgh Steelers. Cam Sutton is an incredible just member of the secondary. He is an incredibly intelligent guy. Um, He would go toe-to-toe with rocket scientist Josh Dobbs all the time for who is the smartest player on the Steelers. So he he is way up there. And he can play just about every position. The Steelers have played him outside, inside, on, at, in the slot, at safety. He's an incredibly versatile player that I think is going to really unlock this Detroit secondary with a guy like Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, another incredibly versatile athlete. It, this secondary, before we get into all the comparisons, I just want to talk about 
how much better they've gotten because it went from one of the worst secondaries in the league to one of the most interesting. Mm. Mm. I said sorry too early, actually, probably. <laughs> I probably said sorry a little too early. Um, he, Nico, has uh, brought up, I mean, Sutton, best player on the team. Mm. The, uh, definitely an exaggeration. Okay, yeah, okay. All right, because I was about to lose my mind. No, 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 no. He's, uh, I would say, out of their free agent additions, I really like a guy like Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, but I I think he's probably the best player they added in free agency, is is more realistically what I was trying to say. Okay, so now we have... Some questions. We have some questions. And the questions are always going to be the same. So Detroit had a great year last year. We were so excited for them. Even with them not making the playoffs. We thought you got robbed. We thought you would have gave the better game to the mm-hmm. uh, uh, to the uh, first round opponent at that point. The, wild, the Super Wild Card Weekend. We were pumped about going into this season. Your free agency led us to believe that this year you were about to make a huge leap. Mm-hmm. Everything was going right. Everything. Okay? We were like, we were we were applauding the picks, the, the pickups in free agency. We're like, this is good. Look at that. That's solid. This is great. This is what we're doing. Then the draft came along, Nico. Then the draft came along. Nico, Mm -hmm. what was the first piece of business that the Detroit Lions did? Not the pick. What did they do first? They uh, traded back. And where were they, sir, when they started this adventure in the 2023 draft? Where were they? They were sitting at six. Mm, Six. What was available at six, sir, after the five picks beforehand? Uh, There were some pretty good players on the board. Mm. uh, Did Devon Witherspoon go five? That was five. That was Seattle. I I don't have the draft board in front of me. Nope, that was five. So Witherspoon went, and this is where I believe the Detroit Lions panicked. Because I believe that that was their guy. And instead of just staying strong, I, I understand what we've heard from the media. I understand. I understand what we've heard out of Lions camp. Yeah. I'm here to say that I, I I called BS. I think you were shook when Witherspoon went off the board at five. I don't think you were expecting it. I this whole deal about you were so enamored with the running back out of Alabama, Jameer Gibbs, I think is a – I'm not saying that you didn't love him. 
I don't know if you loved him as much as you loved Witherspoon, and then Witherspoon was off the board. But my whole point is, they were at six. Now, they trade back. Who did they trade back with, sir? The car, the Cardinals went out okay. to get their offensive tackle. Hmm, offensive tackle. Huh. Okay, they're really good at offensive tackle, though. Well, that, okay, my, I, I, I understand I, not not being okay with the the Jameer Gibbs pick, but they are a team that is set at offensive tackle and Nico edge rusher. Nico. Do me a favor. We have this conversation all the time. Let's not fool the people that we are trying to reach. Give me the positions that are the most premium positions. Let's name them all. Quarterback? Quarter, quarterback, edge rusher, offensive tackle, cornerback, wide receiver, I would say, are the top five in my mind. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I would say they're a team that sits um, – Strong at offensive tackle. I'm uh-huh. not making a pick at offensive tackle. Edge rusher, you could start to convince me, but it depends if you're if you think James Houston is the guy of the future after the season he had last year. I will. I will acquiesce to that because he what what did we applaud the Philadelphia Eagles for doing? What do we? Pl- they're replacing old players. No, 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 no. The Lions have two. When they made a mistake at wide receiver, what did they do? They traded for. They drafted for another one. They drafted another one. Yeah. My whole thing is, is that if you had success, they, yeah, they had a lot you had, of success last year on the edge. You had a top six pick. Okay, I get it. Trade down, fine. Maybe the guy you don't want is at six. But you don't even get anybody at a premium position no. at 12. You don't. That's I, the first mistake. I, I understand the problem with that. I understand the problem with that. Why not Gonzalez? Because I feel like after, just after what we talked about, I, I kind of push back on the Witherspoon thing too. I... I think after all the moves they made in their secondary in free agency, bringing in Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, Cam Sutton, and Emmanuel Mosley, they kind of felt like they had their secondary shored up and didn't really have a spot for a young corner to play. They also just went down the Jeff Okuda route and seen how big you can miss on a cornerback in the first round. So maybe they were hesitant to do that again. That The argument I'm trying to make here, though, is... You look at offensive tackle, they're pretty much set. You look at edge rusher, I think they would argue they're set after having two rookies have outstanding years left. Why not double down? Why not? Because, like, I, if I'm in the position of the Lions, I'm trying to draft players who are going to get on the field. An edge rusher I draft to be my third edge rusher is not going to get on the field. The Eagles were a team that's already got to the Super Bowl. They can afford to draft for depth. The Lions can't really afford to draft for depth right now. They're filling holes. However, the guy I 
I have a feeling that caused this Lions trade back is Jalen Carter. I feel like they were the team that got into the locker room with Jalen Carter and had a conversation with him and didn't feel comfortable after that conversation because we kept hearing about teams in the top 10 that were going to pass on Jalen Carter. I, that would have been an excellent fit for their defense. So I feel like after they had that conversation, they realized Jalen Carter wouldn't fit their locker room or what they were trying to build. They moved back. Uh, there is now talk that, oh, they couldn't have moved back any farther because the Packers were going to take him or whatever. I don't necessarily believe any of that. But I think they were trying to move back and secure Jameer Gibbs. Clearly, he was their guy. After they took him, they danced like they won the Super Bowl. So I, I think a bad Jalen Carter interview caused the Lions to kind of have hesitation on draft day, especially considering um, Anthony Richardson, another guy who they might have liked from based on reports, wasn't there. They were sitting there. They didn't get good in interviews from Jalen Carter, so they just decided to move out. That's, that's my impression from this Lions team. Okay. So I'm going to ask this question. Okay, they moved down to 12. Yeah. Okay. After, if they don't take Jameer Carter, uh, Jameer Gibbs there, yeah. Who, who is on the board? Who, I mean, I understand your, your, uh, hesitancy on, uh, Gonzalez out of Oregon. And and to be clear, I love him as a player. I'm no, I understand sure. that, but I'm just trying to I'm, I'm trying to gauge what was left on the board, that's, like 13, 14, because 14 was the Pittsburgh Steelers pick. That yeah. was the that was the last offensive lineman. Well, okay, sit with me here and just imagine what I said previously is how they feel, and they are comfortable with their edge edge depth and their offensive tackle pick 13 is an edge rusher pick 14 as an offensive tackle pick 15 is an edge rusher pick 16 is a cornerback pick 17 is a cornerback then pick 18 is again the lions and where they take jack campbell so there isn't a player between those two picks that plays any other position it, it kind of seems at least to me that this draft fell it fell in a way that the lions couldn't get players at their picks at positions of need so they ended up reaching for players who maybe weren't gonna go in that range but mm. were at those positions of need i like the jack campbell pick a lot more than you did especially now in the last like uh week or so here where we've been hearing more buzz that maybe tampa bay was pretty locked in on him at pick 19 and then ended up going to elijah after uh detroit made the selection that they weren't accounting for 
So that makes me like the pick more because it seems like other teams had interest in that range, so it feels like less of a reach to me. Um, otherwise, the rest of their draft, though, I, I felt like was all home runs. Um, Sam Laporta wasn't someone I was uh, honed in on before the draft, but I've watched him some after the draft, and by all accounts, he's like the best player in Lions training camp. So it seems like he's a high upside guy who might be able to show out for them. Brian Branch at pick 45. Man, if you would have told me Brian Branch went at pick 12 and Jameer Gibbs went at pick 45 before the draft, I would have felt like the Lions got excellent value everywhere in the entire draft. I really liked Brian Branch. And once he kind of fits a similar mold to a guy in Chauncey Gardner-Johnson who they just went to get. So it seems like they're trying a secondary where they can disguise absolutely everything. And then finally, a guy we've talked about a lot at the quarterback position, they were able to sit in the third round and get at pick 68 and Hendon Hooker. That, like, well, I, I definitely question drafting a running back at 12 and drafting that running back at 12. I really like the rest of what they did in the draft. This is a draft that is going to define the Detroit Lions for the next four four to six years. Mm -hmm. Um, You didn't necessarily move up to get the quarterback. Okay, maybe you had some reservations. You didn't take the number one overall uh, prospect in the draft because you might have some character reservations. Got it. Um, you didn't stick at six. You traded down. Yeah. You didn't like. My whole thing is at six. Stay the course. Draft something. Don't don't do this. Because I just, the value, we're going to let it go. My whole thing is, it, it better be right. Yeah. It better be right. I'm not sold on Laporta mm-hmm. at all. Well, um, they traded six for Laporta and Gibbs. And one later round pick, but it's not it's not necessarily relevant. So it's on those two guys if for that that six pick to end up being valuable. I'm I'm very lukewarm on their draft. I understand what they feel about it and it's all gonna play out, right? My opinion doesn't mean a hill of beans to the Detroit Lions. Yeah. They're excited about their draft. And and Lions fans should be excited about the accountability that is in that locker room. And if they can build off the momentum of what they did last year and uh some of these players uh do pan out for them. I know they want to use Gibbs as also like a slot receiver. He's gonna be a, in a multitude of actions. Um He's still diminutive, not fan of that with the 12th pick in the draft. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it all does play out, I mean, they are they're going to be deeper. 
They're going to have more weapons, more eye candy for teams to look at that they necessarily did not have. Um, the players that you did get fit, fit golf. And there is my problem, Nico. What you got, what you got to help fit Jared Goff. Yeah. I'm not saying it couldn't fit other guys. Just hear me out. But you're making him, you're giving him everything to really succeed. Yeah. And my question is, is that are we going in on on this guy? Because it seems like it. I I think they're building the team in in the right way in my mind because I think what you do is you get that journeyman quarterback. You just get someone who can play the position. You build it out to your vision around him without taking him into account. But you, however you think offense should be played, you build that up. If it fits him, great. You probably want it to fit him. But you want to probably bring in the right quarterback to play your system in the way you want it to be played. So that, that part you need to have squared away, but you, you build the whole system around that veteran quarterback. And then one, when it's time to figure it all out, you just take that guy out and you put pump the new guy in and he has an entire system built around him that he can figure out how to play quarterback in something that you know, works. You know it works with a guy like Jared Goff. So if this young kid can't figure it out, then we know the young kid isn't the quarterback for us. That's the direction I prefer going in as a franchise rather than taking the role of the dice on the quarterback and figuring it out after. <clears throat> this is, like I said, this is a roll of the dice. So I hope they're right. Uh Let's talk about let's talk about what we have seen, what we did see. Uh, the wide receiver, the rookie, the rookie wide receiver out of uh, Ohio State last year, right? Or was it not? It wasn't Ohio State. What was it? Was it Alabama? Uh, they got James. No, they they got another. Didn't they get a wide receiver that was hurt? Yeah, yeah, they got Jamison Williams out of Alabama. Alabama, yeah, he was. Now see this kid. This is my guy. He's suspended for six games to start the year, though. Don't worry about that. He likes playing football. He does. He wants to do everything he can to play football. So, do not worry yourself about Jameson at all. Do not. Love that kid. Their wide receiver group. Their wide receiver group is nice. It is. It is. I really like like Amon Ra. I think he's a near perfect quarterback or <laughs> quarterback wide receiver uh, slot. Receiver. I wish he could play quarterback. Yeah, he's a near perfect fit for a quarterback. Is more what I mean. It's just especially a young guy. He can help you cash in on those short routes every single time. And if you throw to Amon Ra, he's catching the ball. One of the better hands in the league overall. Um, that makes me me feel like maybe we should get to our uh, 2010 Let's get it. TV shows comparisons. So Goff uh, is the cheerleader, yeah, right? 
<laughs> uh, I'm not sure if you save Gop if you save the world though. That doesn't that doesn't really feel. I feel like maybe the 2024 draft. No, the cheerleader. I'm thinking the position itself. The yeah. position itself gets mm. the cheerleader vibe, right? Yeah, the cheerleader also though was was pretty badass, and I'm not I'm not sure Goff quite fits into that same category. I didn't uh, I didn't perfectly map out these ones in my head as much beforehand. Well, the one thing that I'll say about Goff and being Hayden uh, Penitentiary is this: Yeah, that dude, Claire Bennett, not great. In Los Angeles, did lead them to a Super Bowl. Did not play great. Then was traded. We had to give up picks to get him out. The rap on him uh, in Los Angeles is that he did not study the way McVeigh kind of needed him to study. They needed to be on the same page. Um, his brain didn't work the same way. He was more like I think uh, Nico and I um, coined him. He's more of a YouTube clips guy than he is a full feature. Like I'm gonna sit down and, and binge watch like six episodes of Succession, right? <laughs> um, <clears throat> which I might be the only person in America that has not watched that show yet. Yeah, and I yeah, feel bad. I, I feel bad. I uh, need to get uh, my. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, America. I should be in on this. I know I should. Just need to. I need to figure out a uh, a more realistic time frame where I can enjoy TV and not have my brain turned on for football, basketball, college football, college basketball, WWE, AEW. 17 pay-per-views and or I'm sorry, premium premium live events. Sorry, PLEs. Sorry. Uh this weekend. So a little skewed. A lot of stuff going on. Yes. Yeah. So I just think that he is because he's been able to kind of bounce back resilient. She her thing was that she could fall. Yeah. Crack things, get back up, be straight. Mm-hmm. That's to me, Jared Goff. They both tended to go viral as well. Uh, yeah, just do with do things. Clips going all over online after her getting hurt and walking away, and uh, Jared Goff not knowing where the sun is. I like uh, that. Yeah, yeah. I, I that happened under my watch, by the way. Yeah, that happened on my time. It did. Um, I I think we you look at a guy like like the coach of the team, Dan Campbell, and he reminds me quite a bit of a guy who was sometimes a good guy in the show, sometimes a bad guy, Nathan Petrelli, the guy who was running for mayor at at the during the first season. And uh, he, if nothing else, was absolutely full of charisma. 
And Dan Campbell in that exact same way, charismatic as all hell. You turn on your TV, you see Dan Campbell, you're ready to go to war. Gnawing off kneecaps. Yeah, exactly. 45 Red Bulls by 7.30 in the morning. Yeah. Yeah, that's your guy. Yes, definitely. Nathan Petrelli was a similar, similar type of dude. But he could fly, and I guess this season we're going to have to see if Dan Campbell can fly. That's the goal of this team, and I, I, I think they should expect to make the playoffs and maybe even expect to win this division. So Dan Campbell has a lot on his plate in the same way Nathan Petrelli did. So I'm, I'm hoping he can come out and show us that he is the guy we all want him to be. Okay, so one of my favorite characters in the show is Hero. Yes. Time Traveler. Who do we have as the Time Traveler? That's our, our guy. I love Hero. I think uh, we, we've we talked a little about him already, but uh, Amon-Ra reminds me of Hero. Not just because it seems like he's slowing down time when he's making catches or making breaks, but he is the guy who we all turn on the TV for with that team. He is the guy who you're trying to tune into the same time we were all rooting for Hero every time he he closed his eyes tight and stopped time. He is also... Truly the heart and soul of the group and the thing that makes everything work. And I think Amon Ra is going to fall in a similar role with this team and truly need to make everything work for everyone around him. Not just for Jared Goff, but if he can really show out as a true number one option, that's going to open up the field for Jamison Williams. That's going to open up the field for the new guys and Jameer Gibbs and Sam Laporta. So he is kind of the straw that stirs the drink at this point, and not the quarterback isn't quite that. So in that way, I think he's he's pretty similar to Hero. Okay, so who is like the uh, scary like mother of uh, the the the? The, the matriarch of the Petrelli family. Who's that? Is that the ownership? <laughs> I Well, to my first idea was to go there with Jared Goff. Okay. Because she has that, that split personality, much in the same way Jared Goff kind of has that split personality on the field. All right. But my, uh, my comparison didn't go much much deeper than that i could actually though compare her to the entire secondary because the secondary especially after adding guys like emmanuel mosley Cam sutton as chauncey gardner johnson and brian branch is going to be something where you don't know what to expect out there they're going to line up one way and show you one coverage and then line up the exact same way the next time and show you a completely different coverage I think it's what's going to truly unlock this Detroit defense and hopefully make them into a real contender. 
this upcoming season, and that reminds me of Nikki in the show. Uh, okay. Uh, we gotta get some 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 heaters in here. Oh, Who who's who's the agent? Who's who's Claire's dad in in the show? I I Mr. Bennett, feel, I Agent feel Bennett. That's that's the role that uh, our GM is sitting in. I know his name. Why am I blanking on his name right now? Um, it's not Robinson. That's the guy who got fired from the Titans. The Lions general manager. I'm, t- I'm slipping on his name. But he he is Claire's dad to me in the way he's kind of looking over this entire situation and making uh, all the decisions, bringing all these guys together, uh, sort of br- like accumulating the heroes. Brad Holmes. God Brad Holmes, Holmes. yeah. Former, former Rams. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, friend, friend of Jerry Goff. Uh, I, <clears throat> I, I think they they kind of embody a similar role at this time, and they're try they're trying to not only save the cheerleader, but maybe also save this whole world of heroes in their own way, and figure out how they're going to bring forward this team and truly, truly capture the potential that season one of heroes and last season of the lion showed. Okay. So they, they all need like a foil sort of speak. Uh, trying to think of who else I want to kind of, there were so many characters characters on the show like yeah, Allie Lauder Allie Lauder loved her yeah. super hype for her anytime yeah. I saw her on the show did almost absolutely nothing but great yeah yeah <laughs> uh I think <laughs> I think the last the last character we we can do it's not directly on the lion but um, for a long time, the Packers have been Siler. Mm-hmm. The Packers have been that guy coming through and stealing everyone else's powers by just mashing down the this division whenever any team gets up and ready. Now, now Siler doesn't quite have the powers they used to. You never know. Maybe Jordan Love just proves us all wrong, and he comes out this season and is the man but for a long time the Packers have been slicing off Lions heads and they're going to need to end that soon well it's either them or Minnesota uh, to win this division I would believe personally Uh, they do have a lot of talent they do have a lot of talent yeah, I agree. I think all four teams though are in kind of a position where like you could see them get way better or get way worse. I think this division could go four different ways next year. Yeah, I can't wait for it. So, uh we are I mean, this is great. I think we're going to continue this series. Um maybe we might jump around decades or whatever. We might just depending, but we'll see. 
But 2010 seems good. There's a lot of TV in it. So, a lot of good TV. We're not even thinking about, like, the Apple stuff and the, um, like, all the Netflix stuff uh, that came out, whatever. So, there's so much. I think, what, was the House of Cards? 2010s? I think, yeah. So, there's so much to go out. I missed that one entirely. But I got... I I have a deep bag. We can we can go. Yeah. The only thing is that we can't even talk about uh, Kevin Spacey anymore. So no. unfortunately, yeah, he's getting canceled. So yeah. no more of that. Mm-hmm. Shameful, shameful. All right, Nico. So we have this pot in the bag. We're good to go. I hope you guys join enjoyed the walk down nostalgia. So the Detroit Lions are heroes. And the Chicago Bears are Shit's Creek. I hope you enjoyed the uh, the characters and who is who and and what is what. But uh, yeah, we thought we put a little different spin on it. Yeah, I and I think I I kind of got a better hang on everything uh, at, after we talked it out this episode. So maybe next episode I'll come with a little bit of a deeper back. Yeah, because we'll get into storylines and why is it going, why is it all work and stuff like that. But here's the overlining storyline, and the the actual shows do um, match the teams. The thing that you want to think about with the Detroit Lions is that they have this collective group, right? And they're all trying to work together. And then you have this guy who's like a just a maniac, right? But he always wants the right thing. Like that's like the, you know, they just they're trying to combine, but they're also dealing with some real life crap. So you got like real people who don't know how to be heroes yet, and the lions don't know how to win yet. They had a little taste of it last year, and now this year, this is some expectations on them. And now we'll see what happens. And with the Chicago Chicago Bears, I hate to say it, you know, there's been a bunch of um, false starts. There's been a, some some close calls. If you, you know, some sliding doors here or there, you know, so to speak. And you know what happens if Khalil Mack doesn't leave, and what happens if this doesn't happen, and whatever. So. Like Nico said, you you're your own worst enemy. So you have that. So I think this was a pretty fair comparison of the teams, and I hope you enjoyed it. We do have something coming on the feed tomorrow, um, and it's a life pod. We still haven't named it. We're looking for a name, and we'll figure that out at some point. Yeah, we still haven't yeah, put that yeah, yeah. on the Twitters. On the Twitter sphere. So we'll figure it out. All right, Nico, you got anything else that we need to tell these fine, fine people? Uh, no, I I have a cat who's uh, aggressively accosting me right now. You might be able to see at the end of the uh, video yeah. here. And but, you need to, uh, on this is this audio medium that is a video medium now, you can find us on YouTube at Frontrunner Podcast Collective Yeah, to see the cat. Find me on Twitter at NicoFRPC. Find Vince at FrontRunnerPC. 
and uh thanks for tuning in i i hope we continue to flesh this out a little more and we'll have something for you next week and let us know what some of your favorite 2010 uh tv shows or netflix shows or uh hulu shows are you know and we'll try to go ahead and provide them and if you can provide the nfl team hey you get a production credit so there it is so with that being said, for the Canadian bomber, for the Canadian shaman, for the Canadian Bill Simmons, and forever in perpetuity, the Canadian son of Loretta Curran, and for this episode, the Canadian Mike Tomlin, Nico Miatello, I'm Vince Carter, and it looks like we're not out because guess what? We didn't have... The, it was not turned on, but we'll cut all that out. So, <laughs> we do got that. See ya.